Welcome to the Axis Effect Podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment. And I'm super excited we have Ed Vincent, co-founder and CEO of Festival Pass, joining us today. Hey, Ed. Hey, Sarah. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. We we're just chatting about this that you're here because I feel like now that everybody's back from sporting to fashion to music festivals, it, everybody's still kind of figuring out the best way to have fun to attend. Is it online? Is it in person? Is it a hybrid of both? You know, then there's tickets. Everything has changed dramatically on live events in the past few years. So I'm super excited to have you on here right now. And how long has Festival Pass been around, first and foremost? Because I feel like, and I'm probably wrong, you created this because of COVID getting back in the market. Or am I wrong? And has this been around longer? So you're wrong only in the sense that we created it prior to COVID and we're planning to launch right about when COVID happened. So um, what actually, there's always a silver lining to everything. We had gone out and, and built kind of the initial platform. And then during COVID, we just spent more time building out a lot of the tech and building the relationships to be able to have so many live events on our platform. So it was really a, a combined answer and story. <laughs> it was ideated prior to COVID, during COVID, we just kind of heads down, built what we built. And then as, you know, I'd say about a year ago when things started kind of normalizing a little bit, you know, we started to be able to continue to to grow and have so many live events on the platform. Awesome. I like being right and wrong at the same time. <laughs> Very valid. Now I totally let me, we dealt with a lot, a lot of the music guys during COVID. And I, I know they struggled because they were kind of dead in the water because there was no there there. So I'm super excited to see people back out there back to normal, at least trying to get back to what's normal. But let's talk about Festival Pass for a minute, because I know you built this pre-COVID and you guys are launched and it's not just music festivals. It is music, sports and any other live events or give us a little background of exactly which industries Festival Pass encompasses. Sure. So, so what I can do is uh, I'll help you with just understanding what it is. And, you know, we could always dig deep into yeah. The why there's always context to how we got here. 20 years of being an entrepreneur kind of led me to come up with the concept and build out what we have today. And happy to go into that. But what Festival Pass is, it's a it's a subscription membership for live events. So people pay a monthly or an annual fee, and for that they receive credits on our platform. And with those credits, they can redeem those credits for up to 80,000 live events we have throughout the year as well as they can use their credits to book hotel rooms globally at over 600,000 plus hotel rooms. So those events that we have, those 80,000 live events include everything from major concerts in big arenas to smaller venues. It includes pretty much all professional sports and most college sports as well. It includes... Is it, is it, is it like, I mean, you have NBA, NFL, MLB guys on there. Okay. All the above. Yeah. You want to go to, uh, you're in LA, right? You want to go to a Lakers game. You want to go to Rams game. You can come to our platform and we're likely will always have tickets for most of the major events. So you're kind of like a ticket master of Vivid. Some of these guys, I mean, that are, you know, they have blocks and books of tickets. I know Access has, maybe it's Access has, owns that market, but there's a lot of places to get tickets for things that may be sold out directly and everything. So you guys really, and I don't want to compare you to 
a Ticketmaster or a Vivid, but it's a little bit different, but you are kind of have the platform like a Vivid or a Ticketmaster because you're still selling tickets. It's good that you mentioned both because you can provide context. So Ticketmaster is a primary ticketing company. So they are usually the promoter of or they're the initial seller of tickets for mostly concerts and some sporting events. Um, Whereas Vivid is a secondary marketplace seller. So they're only selling tickets that are now available in the secondary market that are being resold. So um, the answer is we have... our, Our inventory comes from many of the same sources that Vivid or somebody like Vivid has, meaning that we do have a lot of secondary market tickets, but we also have tickets that we have with relationships that we have with venues or producers of shows. So we have a combination of both direct tickets as well as secondary tickets. You guys, you, you guys can, you, can you buy and sell like ticket exchange? Like if I have annual, if I have tickets to when the games, I can sell them on festival pass as well. In the future, we'll, we'll add that feature. It's not a hard feature to do. We just haven't had it high in our roadmap. So it's, it's mostly the, when you're a member of festival pass, there's a couple things you get, right? So you have these credits that you can redeem for tickets. The one thing we do very differently than some of the others is we don't charge added ticketing fees on top. So a lot of those secondary marketplaces you might go to, you, you think you're paying $100 for a ticket. And then when you check out, it's you know $160. So there's a, lot, a little bit of lack of transparency that exists when people are adding all these extra fees. So one of the beautiful benefits of Festival Pass is the member is committing to being a monthly or annual subscriber. And in so doing, they're not being charged these additional ticketing fees. And they also get these discounts on hotel rooms. I, I always try and when everybody wants to get their head around it, I try and give them the analogy of uh, Amazon Prime. So I'd say to you like, hey, why are you an Amazon Prime member? And 9 out of 10 people are going to say, well, it's because I get free shipping. Of course, that sounds great. Yeah. But also, that's usually the reason they join. But they also get some movies on Amazon Prime. They also get discounts at Whole Foods. They also get some other benefits. So when I look at Festival Pass, it's really the same concept. Whereas you join Festival Pass because you're not paying additional ticketing fees. That's like our free shipping. Well, let me In- ask you a question because just I mean, I just kind of want to go along here, stay within timeline. You, and I know it's a membership, so you have a membership and you have different levels of the membership, right? Yeah. And everything. And that membership, walk me through a, a membership. So, because this is a two-part question. I want to kind of, I mean, how does the structure of this work? You pay membership, do you get discounts? Is it just access? And then do you pay a fee for each ticket, for each hotel? I mean, how, tell me, walk me through this whole process so we can better understand what is the membership about? What does it get you? And then, because some fees do have to go back to hotels and tickets. Are you getting discounts because you're a member or is it just easy booking? I mean, give me like the kind of the high level walkthrough and features and benefits on this. Yeah. So when you sign up as either a monthly or an annual member, you pay a fee. So let's, let, I'll give you an example. So if you were to be a, a founder level member of Festival Pass, you're paying $99 a month. Okay. And for that $99, you're receiving 90 credits every month. So they continue to add up and, and, and are creative. So month one, 90 credits, but month two, you get another 90 credits. So after two months, you have 180 credits in your account. And that just continues to grow. So you then redeem those credits for tickets, for actual tickets. So you go into the platform and you say, oh, there's a concert at this local venue that I'd like to see. Uh, a ticket costs 40 credits. 
and your account will have a balance of a few hundred credits and you just go in and, and get the ticket and we remove those credits out of your account and you have a ticket now. So it's like, so like, like the loyalty is like, you know, you, you're accruing points, ticket or points for the most part and credits to purchase towards something. Let me ask you a question. If like say I have 500 credits, right? Five months down the road, founder yeah. member at 500 credits. But if I want courtside a really good ticket or whatever for sports or thing, and it costs like eight, $900 a ticket. If I add up my points of that four or $500 with you and apply that, so it only lowers it to like two or 300, I'm out of pocket the almost same amount of money, whether I get the ticket directly or I pay you. The only option is I could use the points towards any tickets, but it's just kind of like banking cash up front to apply towards what you want. Is that kind of a crude explanation of this? Yeah, the part you're missing is that because you are a, a member, you're not paying those additional ticketing fees. So you're 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 gonna pay anywhere from five to thirty percent less when you're getting tickets through Festival Pass than you would elsewhere. What are additional fees from like for sports and music? I mean, what is it a range between five and thirty percent that you guys but you pay so you guys don't charge those fees, I get it. But then you guys are just paying directly, so it's a little bit cheaper. Where is Festival Pass's revenue? coming from if all your money is going directly to the venues or hotels and you're not making fees or you're not charging extra fees. Yeah. So the way it works, right, is um, the reason we're creating the model we created is it's a win-win for everybody involved. So as a business, we're getting high frequency live event goers to join this community of members in Festival Pass. And as they join that community, they're getting certain benefits. What it does from a pure business perspective is there it becomes recurring revenue, meaning that it, we already know that somebody is paying a monthly fee or an annual fee. So we're willing to have a lower margin business with consistent recurring revenue versus a transactional business model that is, is having to go out and resell that customer every single time. And every time they do, they're paying a lot more money and marketing costs. And in so doing, they're also charging transaction fees. So I'd rather give our member back some value in order to commit to being part of our community. And in so doing, they win because they're paying less. They're getting special benefits. They're getting access and they're part of a community. We win because even though we're taking lower margin on our business, we're actually getting recurring revenue that is a little more... We can forecast that. So, and, so if you're paying up to 30%, which is obviously there's always markup on this stuff. You guys are charging less markup. So you have, you're profitable. And it's a win-win. You're still making money. Margins aren't as high. We still get tickets. Now, what if I wanted a ticket or two or three tickets that were greater than the points I have? It just is like credit card to supplement the rest of it, correct? Yeah. So if you are ever at a place where you want to purchase a ticket and you don't have enough credits in your account, right in that checkup, it will ask you if you want to buy uh, an additional credit pack to cover it. So you can buy an additional 100 credits, an additional 250 credits. And based upon the membership level you're in, the higher you've committed... So if you're a founder member, that's the highest level on our platform, you're going to pay less per credit. So that's kind of the, the win of it all, right? So the more you commit to being part of this community and the more you commit to that monthly membership, the less per credit you pay and therefore the less per ticket you pay. Like airlines, because I know like when I do points and stuff, if I want to, you know, use points and I'm like a few short of first class or business or whatever, or if I want to bring somebody on my points, it, it, you have an option to do all these programs to purchase an extra pack of points 
or cash. But if it's like, hey, you need $500 for the ticket difference, but it's only like 300 example, to get the points to cover it. So it's kind of a similar type of program. Yeah. And you could always upgrade uh, whenever you join as an annual plan member, you get all your credits up front for the year. So if you become an annual founder member, you're paying, I think it's $1,080 up front, but you're getting 1,080 credits right away. And you can continue to use those over that 12-month period. You could always join the annual plan. And by doing so, you're paying less per credit and you're getting your credits immediately to use however you want. Now, how does the hotel... I mean, I, I get it. You want to go to a festival. Hotels are hard to do. Talk me about the festival because you have Expedia, you have Kike, you have so much out there on the hotel platforms. Is it similar to how you guys are running the tickets? Yeah. So the way it works on hotels, very, very similar is we... Because we're a membership-based organization, we're allowed to get different... I'll call it discounted hotel room nights, wholesale pricing on room nights things that wouldn't be able to be published to the public on the internet. And it's because we're a member-driven organization. So what happens is we convert all of the pricing of those hotels into credits. So if you wanted to find a hotel in whatever location, it might come up and say, oh, for 100 credits, you can book this hotel room night. So when you go ahead and book that room night for 100 credits, you're usually going to pay significantly a certain amount less than you would if you went anywhere else on the internet to find it. And we're able to actually provide those discounted rates because we're not cannibalizing the, the yeah. hotel's direct concept because we're not publishing the price in dollars online to somebody not logged in. Got it. So it's basically similar. You have points. If I have 400 points and every room with the SLS is 300 points per night, I could just plan to get one night free and then you just yep. buy points or a credit card for the rest of it. Yep. So it's like, it's like, it's, and if, it's like um, hotels.com, hotels, there's so much, oh God, there's so much out there for um, travel. It's just, you're paying less fees. And I'm assuming as a membership, you have more flexibility because I know we heard all of you think about when COVID hit, everybody lost so much money because everything just shut down. I know people who lost money, they never heard back from them. They never got their money back, even though the Expedia's and those companies said they would. It was such a shit show for a lot of people by travel yeah. plans. Do you have or if you're a member and you need to cancel for whatever reason, you guys have better um, refund system. The points go back, obviously, into your account. But then if somebody had to pay so much plus, you know, their credit card because they want to save five or six nights. I mean, does that apply back to the credit card like most hotels where there's a refund? Or I mean, how do you guys handle that whole hospitality area? Yeah, I mean, I would look at it this way is that we're flexible with our members. And we want them to be happy. So if there's ever a point in time where something happens, the typical solution is just re-adding those credits back into their account, just making it really easy. And that's one of the nice things about having a credit-based currency that you know it's easy for us to just immediately make it right with our customer or a member and then figure out whatever we need to do on the back end. So we're not necessarily going to provide cash back to their credit card, but will happily, you know, add more points to their account so, for whatever. So I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just asking just, you know, as a start, because we do with a lot of startups as well as in PR firm. And I mean, these are a lot of questions, at least I know, well, at least a lot of media would ask you. So that's why I'm asking away. Yeah, it's great. If I had enough points for two nights at the SLS, typical Kings for your room, but I needed three nights, I just, and I didn't do points, I could just put my card down. If anything happened, you wouldn't refund the cash outlay, you would put it into the points. I just know there's so much of that 
just small, small, fine print of TNCs that everybody, yeah. like I'm not an Expedia girl, hate that stuff because there's so much fine print. And if I buy a ticket for $2,000, regardless of what first or coach or whatever, and something happens, I want to know that money's going back on my car, not take a Expedia point credit. I, I want those options. Being an executive, a CEO, stuff happens and we're always changing our scheduling. So, I mean, are you guys really super flexible? Because I know a lot, unless you're going direct to an airline or direct to a hotel, a lot of these third-party sites are not as flexible as they should be or could be. Yeah. I mean, we look at it overall as, you know, we're focused on the frequent, passionate live event goers. I mean, that's our audience. That's our member. That's the community we're building. You know, so I'm not really necessarily building a company to you know, focus or compete with, you know, the other travel sites are out there because I think that's a probably a different psychology in, in a user. But we're we're all about making sure that our members can gain access to and have the flexibility to book hotel rooms around the globe and often would do so within the pattern of going to events. So we have like a lot of members that would say, Oh wow, I live an hour outside of Chicago and one of my favorite bands is playing in the city. I'm going to go buy a ticket and then I'm going to book a room, you know, right around the corner yeah. from the stadium that night because I'm going to be there anyway. So it's a, it's a different leisure based kind of a uh, travel aspect. You know, we're, we're not really trying to compete with kind of B2B travel. Well, you're, you're more community based. This is more of a social community based. People who are avid festival goers are going to love this. They're going to keep coming back. They want to be members. They want to bank, you know, what they don't use is in case something happens. For the next one. So I totally get that. It's more of a community-based part of a community that they're there. You guys brought up that I know you guys were considering if you aren't still doing it, doing an NFT program in June. Oh, yeah. The NFT market is just a mess and has tanked. Are you doing NFT still? I don't know if you guys were taking crypto or Bitcoin as currency. I mean, there's so much yeah. going on yeah. around the world and so much is falling apart. People are shifting their game plan quickly right now. Where does Festival Pass fall within that like tech area? Yeah, so so we're very bullish and pro on any everything Web3. The thing that gets me excited about building our company is we truly are one of the first kind of Web3 enabled subscription marketplaces like this. So yes, in general, we, as just a table stakes, we accept crypto for any kind of subscription, right? You want to pay in Bitcoin or Ethereum, just connect your wallet, you can be nice. happy to pay. But that's even just the beginning. Like the, the part of the NFT, which we're still super excited about is um, we created the first lifetime access NFT for live events. So it's still today, you can go to family.festivalpass.com today, you can read all about it. And what the NFT is, it's actually a lifetime founder membership. So you, if you mint the NFT, and you own it. I'm trying to sometimes take all the word web three words out because it, you know, I want everybody to uh, adopt it normally. But if you buy the NFT, mint it, buy it, whatever you want to say, you pay once and then you own it. And then every year you receive $1,200 worth of credits to our platform. What are the NFTs? I mean, do you guys have a lot of standard NFTs to pick from? Are you just getting creative? Give us whatever you want. We'll mint it for you. Um, how is the NFT process working? No, so so it's a specific NFT. It's called the Lifetime Founder NFT. The total amount we'll ever sell of these founder NFTs is going to be ten thousand. Currently, we're only selling the first thousand. So what it means is that for until these first thousand sell out, anybody can come in and mint this specific NFT. the The art for this NFT is a rocker character named Legend. Um, 
And he's, it's just a cool art. And obviously, every single one of those thousand will be unique in itself. We will have 10 other verticals to make up the full 10,000. So the second thousand is going to be in partnership with this kind of Web3 influencer that we're partnered with. So you guys are um, dropping NFTs in chunks based on what's going on. Per thousand, exactly. And we, cool. we have some partnerships coming with other musicians, with celebrity chefs, with yeah. professional athletes. And each thousand is going to have a, uh, a character represent. Some will be affiliated with a real person. Some will just be a cool character. But the really important part is that this first thousand is at the lowest possible price. So we're charging 0.95 Ethereum for that right now. So in today's dollars, call it about $1,200. And if somebody buys that for $1,200 today, forever, they'll have a lifetime of live events. So every single year, they'll get $1,200 of fresh credits to go spend on anything they want. And is that in addition to the subscriptions or is that... No. Let me ask you a question because I know like, you know, a lot of brands have been struggling with this whole NFT and NFTs. I mean, just given how everything has crashed and shifted in this little tech bubble that's getting ready to burst. People are, you know, you, NFTs were great when they first came out. Tons of money. A lot of people are, I think it was over, I saw a number. It was like over, God, the billions of money being lost. 70, 80% of money was just lost and tanked. NFTs are now being used. I mean, the bigger brands are kind of stepping back and now looking at this as utility vehicle. Buy an NFT because they want all the big data and AI that goes around. It kind of like this our CRM version years ago, when you go on, you're looking for something online, you see the ads on, you know, all the other stuff you do. It's almost like a more CRM 2.0 where the NFTs you buy will track on the data, AI spending and who you are. A lot of brands are moving in that direction versus just selling them just to sell them for money. Besides, I get the 1200 points you get. Are there any other features or benefits to having a festival pass NFT or is it really just used so you get access to more points every year. There's so much to share. So the answer is... The <laughs> yeah, answer we is, have a is, good 45 minutes on our podcast. Yeah. No, so the answer is, is that that $1,200 worth of credits you get every single year is the ultimate utility. Like when you talk about a utility-driven NFT, we're the epitome of a utility-driven NFT because there's actual real value that you can back in. So let's say you held that NFT for three years. You would receive $3,600 worth of value coming to you. And then you could resell that NFT anytime you want it on the secondary market. Oh, so, um, so, so if I had, so I could go on OpenSea and I could resell it with absolutely. all the that comes with it. And then somebody else might say, hey, and then you can set your own price for it. So the points aren't being lost. I could get my, for lack of a better word, my um, ETH back and money back on that. And I could just resell it. And I, okay, am I, correct me if I'm wrong in this, Ed, most NFTs cannot be resold. You guys are the only ones that are able to resell it because I have no, not. No, no. That's, that's not true. So the way NFTs work is whenever somebody mints an NFT or buys one, it, it is now owned by that individual. And uh, it's owned and it's held within your wallet, wherever your wallet is, yeah. whether it's a MetaMask wallet or anything else. But, but if I po- sell it, all the points I accrued through Federal Pass, those points, unless I use them, go to the new person. Yeah. So, so the, it's going to be very interesting as, we, as more of our NFTs make it to the secondary market is because we pass our metadata right through to the blockchain. So for example, if you bought an NFT today and went to a few concerts, and let's say you used half of your credits and you still had five, 600 credits left on your NFT for this year, because at the end of the year, you know, 365 days from the date you purchased it, it's going to refresh right back up to $1,200 worth of credits. So during that time, if you then went to OpenSea and listed it for sale, 
people would see that this NFT has, you know, uh, 182 days left before it refreshes, and it has 500 current credits available to it. So whatever somebody might offer you in order to buy that from you is going to be directly correlated by one, however many credits you have left on it, and how long it's going to be before you get the refreshing of the next $1,200 worth of credits. So it's going to be a really fun gamification. And on top of all that, each one of those 10 tranches that we're calling, uh, those 10 cohorts are each going to be different artwork, right? So I might buy the Lenny Kravitz looking rocker guy that we have currently. And I might really be more into like DJs and, and EDM. And, you know, one of our characters is going to be, uh, you know, a well-known DJ. So I might say, well, hey, I want to sell this current rocker one and I want to buy the DJ one because that fits more with who I am. And that's what I feel. So there's all of that. And then in addition to your your question is what other benefits, right? So we also are curating quarterly events starting in the Q1 of 2023. As every single quarter, we're going to have a really amazing bucket list event that only our NFT holders can go to. So what I mean by that is it could be a concert with a well-known artist and only a few hundred of our NFT holders there. It could be a celebrity chef cooking dinner for 50 of our NFT holders. The first quarter is likely, and I don't want to hold, hold me to this, but it's likely going to be a really amazing private access concert during South by Southwest. And it also could be something like uh, being in the luxury box of a sporting event and then hanging out with the players after. So all those really cool access things are just inherently part of uh, being an owner of the NFT. Got it. Got it. It's festival pass. Are you guys pretty stacked up globally with all the global events, sporting and music? From an events perspective, we're anywhere in the US. So from a hotel perspective, we do have access to globally. You can book a hotel room anywhere in the world. We would over time, once we feel confident that we've expanded and, and um, you have a good hold on the, on the US market, we do have plans to go to Europe and Asia and, and, uh, and Latin America. But that will, that's just part of our longer term yeah. plan. Yeah. What about so like in the US, do you guys like you guys running like the World Series, Super Bowl, Phoenix Open, all the big stuff here as well? Yeah, it, it's really a direct correlation to what becomes available in the market. So we have direct relationships with some partners that we get really cool stuff. And, you know, some things will be announced as we go forward. So like in 2023, there's a specific festival that's in six or seven different cities that tours and we'll have special VIP access to that specific festival and stuff like that. But pretty much any of those other events, whether it's Super Bowl or World Series or, or any of that, if it's available and out there, if it's ever, if you see it in any of those other marketplaces, like you talk about, like a Vivid or StubHub or wherever, we'll also have it. So we we get on the secondary side, we access all the same sources that some of those big marketplaces access. So we're likely to have it. Which is huge right now with Super Bowl and Phoenix Open coming up. And then you have like the final four in March. Yeah, I, I bet people are just scrambling to get tickets right now, right and left. Yeah. Yeah. And then locally, it's fun because... You know, I'm here in Austin, so we always have tickets to UT football, UT basketball, Austin FC soccer. So it's like all these people, ACL, you know, stuff like that. So like people get excited to find things locally. So you being in uh, in, in Arizona or Phoenix, I haven't looked recently, but I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff in around Phoenix that we have. Uh, there is this, I am getting so many people asking us just because we work with NFL, NFLPA, for tickets, Jeff hookups, Jeff hookups, Jeff hookups. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like, it's crazy how many people are looking for like Super Bowl tickets, uh, Phoenix Open, Greenskeepers Passes. Yeah, I think Phoenix is just going to be a madhouse for a good two or three months. 
Um, but sure. I get every place. I mean, like Austin is, I've done so many South by Southwest events and ACLs there. It's just, it's good to always have an access to something outside of the normal, like chaos, like you're booking on StubHub and Ticketmaster. And I mean, we've done them all, but I like that this is more of a community points-based system. It's a little bit easier. You got a little more accessible privileges. Yeah. And what happens is it's this really cool concept that as we grow as a community, it gives us more leverage to extract more value for our members, right? So, you know, as we grow into hopefully having millions of members on our platform, it's much easier for us to go to a place and say, well, I know there's going to be at least 500 or 1,000 of our members that really are interested in this. So I'm going to go cut a deal and, you know, make sure we get special access. Now, is it, I mean, if tickets run out, tickets just run out. So I mean, it's like anything else. You can't like make stuff up if nobody has it. Um, can I, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you how many users do you guys have so far total? Yeah. So yeah. So we have a, a little over 70,000 members today. And I think in 2023, it should grow pretty substantially. We, uh, we not only are we working through a ton of amazing partnerships with other communities. And that's another thing I'll share real quick about the Web3 side. But but we do, we hope by the end of 2023 to have a million members on the platform. Nice. What is your, I mean, it's been like what, got a year, year and a half since everybody kind of came back out from COVID. It's always one big blur when we talk about COVID regardless. <laughs> Who, like, what has been your biggest sellout so far across the board, sports, music, everything? Yeah, I mean, I would I would position that more in what is where do I see the most interest? And of course, because we're in Austin, you know, a lot of people want to go to ACL when it comes through. We do have some rabid fans that like going to Austin FC when Harry Styles was touring. You know, I felt like there was a ton of people buying Harry Styles tickets. You know, in LA and Austin and wherever wherever he was touring. So I think it tends to be you know just like everything else is some of the big known high demand shows are the ones well, like, that people well, Elton are... John is his last his last world tour ever this yeah. is what he's done that was off the charts everywhere people scrambling to find tickets correct and I saw especially I don't know why but especially in LA maybe it's just the the user base we have in LA it seemed like we were processing a lot of tickets for Elton John's tour in LA he played at Dodger Stadium so it was kind yeah, of that's probably why <laughs> iconic they, it was ridiculous huge and then I know the one in um, Phoenix sold out like the day they went on sale it was crazy. But then what's also fun is um, there ends up being like in certain communities, certain venues people like, right? So again, I, I speak to Austin easier because I, I just, I'm here. So I'm going to a lot of these, but you know, there's kind of smaller events. Like there's a place called Emo's on, on the South side in Austin that has like a lot of shows where it's only 20 credits a ticket or 25 credits a ticket because there's just these great bands coming through. And I think a lot of people that end up joining get excited because they're like, oh, I, you know, one of my favorite venues is often on there. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to just continue to go to shows through that. And I see that happening throughout different cities throughout the, the country. Is there's like one or two members realize that we always have tickets for one great venue. Yeah. That might not be the ones that everybody hears about, like the Harry Styles of the world. But then they start telling their friends and then all, you know, five of their friends join and then another five join. And then before you know it, they're all collectively getting their tickets on festival. And you passes. get points for referrals as well. So which makes yes. sense. Well, let's talk about the artist side. And Southwest is South by Southwest is amazing. Actually, one of our guys who actually runs all of our social, he manages a few bands on the side and stuff. And he's always managing the social and stuff on the tours and scheduling with us. Let me ask you a question for like, if you're an indie banner, you know, maybe not even indie, just, you know, nobody's going to big labels anymore, but doing their own thing. What if they want to get their tour schedule? 
on Festival Pass. Is that an option for somebody to contact you and say, hey, we're a band, here's our tour schedule. Can you, you know, drop us in there? Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Um, one of the things that would happen in that capacity is you mentioned Ticketmaster as a primary ticketer. There's hundreds of primary ticketing companies. So a lot of the smaller indie bands or whatever you want to call it, they're usually selling their tickets on a platform or they happen to book a tour through certain venues and the venues already have a deal for a certain ticketing platform. So the only question would be is absolutely, we're happy to work with a band and list all of their shows throughout their tour and help promote that and let our, all of our members know about that. We would just have to figure out you know, whatever ticketing platform they're on to ensure we're able to pull through those tickets and actually use that allocation for our members. What I mean, what if they don't use one? Well, I mean, a lot of these indie bands, you know, we used to have a few indie record labels before COVID and stuff as well. They were just Eventbrite, such a, if you want to dub it down to the very basics, it yep. is Eventbrite. It is something they don't, they're not with the label. They're not going to big platforms because they don't want to give up half their ticket sales. and They're still trying to grow and have expenses if they don't have a platform, an existing platform, can they still work with Festival Pass? Yeah, we have our own internal ticketing system. We just don't really um, market it as much because we obviously want to play nice with all the big yeah. platforms that are out there. Um, yeah, but, but we have a, an ability to create a, you know, an event system. And you know, usually it's easier for us to do it in when it's a GA-based kind of environment, a general mission. We, we haven't invested in the true underlying seated ticketing ourselves. But if they're an indie band that's playing and they're going to do 500 person rooms and it's usually either a VIP or a GA and it's not an individual seated event, we have a system they could use and people would just come in and generate a QR code and that QR code would be scanned at the event for them to be I mean, and even if they're on like Ticketmaster, Vivid, StubHub, I mean, I'm you see the same venues on all the platform. I mean, that's the smartest way to do it. So um, I even think there'd be a tremendous... I mean, I know your your market isn't just the startup band or the indie band, but I feel like it's such a tremendous market opportunity for so many bands who you know are getting raked over the coals by Ticketmaster yeah. or StubHub, or there's such big stuff out there that just get buried to the bottom. So I feel like Festival Pass is such an amazing platform especially for these indie bands that, I mean, some of these indie bands are doing opening for big acts and they're out there on some big tours, but I feel like they kind of get overlooked by the big ticketing platforms because they're not that big name where I feel that may be a better sweet spot for a lot of these guys who are touring multiple cities and or with festivals or with the bigger um, names, they have their own place to sell tickets as well. I agree. Yeah. And, and there's, um, we're part of, when I was mentioning different partnerships, we have a lot of really great, both Web3 community partnerships, as well as just other membership organizations. And th there's a group here in Austin that um, we didn't announce it yet, but it's a, it's a group that is really a nonprofit that helps promote a lot of independent artists. And they do about 45 to 50 of their own events every year with all of these indie artists. So we will have throughout 2023, all of their events on our platform. And it will be similar to what you mentioned, where they can just generate a QR code uh, in, in their Festival Pass account and show it at the venue. So we're doing a lot more of that kind of stuff. So the answer is, is yes, yes, and yes. Um, there's, there's only so much, there's only so much, you know, you have to focus in, in where things are. We focused initially on just getting the biggest breath possible of yeah. tickets because nobody wants to sign up as a member to something if they can't access a lot of things. Oh, yeah, so I mean, now we've already, um, we solved that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's startup mode. I mean, what you did is tremendous. There's so many great companies who had such brilliant 
trajectories to take off. And then when COVID hit, it just kind of shifted everybody's direction. So I'm super happy to see that. One, I mean, glad you guys started pre-COVID. I'm glad you guys made it through, hunkered down to the R&D to get through, stick it out to come out on the other side, which I think is tremendous. A lot of startups and companies decide, especially startups, it's so hard leading a startup. It's a different animal. And I feel like so many of these companies and CEOs just you know, two, three years, it just, it wasn't sustainable. So I'm super happy to see these success stories like Festival Pass that you you took that smart hunker down, go through R&D approach and push off the launch until post when you're just a more robust platform with more to offer. So it's always good to see that kind of success story, you know, because yeah. very few percent are able to say that. Question for you, you guys officially launched, correct? I mean, you're officially launched live out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Where so I'm running out of time and I'm so obsessed with like you put so much like of the n- new technologies, the web three, the NFTs behind this. I mean, like, kudos, a tremendous job with this. You really thought it through. Not no, just, thank you. There's a ticket platform. We are leveraging all the new technology out there to make this yeah. work. And it and it's fun for me as I'm a I'm a serial entrepreneur. There's my fifth startup over the past 23 years. So each one has kind of had its own success and then kind of brought into what the next thing was. So a lot of what we're doing, you know, I used to run uh, an agency myself back in the 2000s, a 70 person experiential marketing agency. And I learned a lot about live events back then. My The company I had prior to this was a data company for the entertainment space. So uh, some of the biggest television networks like AMC and A&E networks and all those companies. And I learned a lot about consumer data in film and television so there's a lot that goes into, you know, kind of where we are today. And I think maybe the patience to go through some of the ups and downs that you're referring to is is more, a, I think, a concept of maturity over time of being going through 2008, going through the dot-com bus, going through, yeah. uh, you know, so many different things where you just got to realize is kind of stay the course and focus on the, the, the main outcome. Yeah. So, so we always like, you know, startups, everybody has startups and as a PR firm, you know, we used to have, you know, did all these M&As, IPOs, tremendous job with startups. But I always bucket my startups now. You're either a startup. You had a great idea in a napkin. You want to go big or go home. You just don't have that experience as a leader. And then we have startups to where we have a few clients. And there's their startups like you, but they've successfully done great stuff prior. And they're probably, you know, 30s, 40s, maybe late 40s. But these are experienced startups who have been two or three stops in the past, they've learned from the mistakes. They've learned to become smarter, wiser, better leaders. And I love those kinds of startups the most versus, hey, I have a great idea, trying to get funding. I mean, everybody's bootstrapping, but it's the seasoned startup guys on the second or third round that absolutely, we love having these guys as clients because it's so much easier with them because they've really, they've stumbled, they made the mistakes. They know which direction to go in. And I love that. And what I love about you is that it's like everything you've done is like, it just keeps building. You keep leaning in to tech on each go, each round, each new company. You just lean more deeper into the tech to um, use what was already there to elaborate, to move it up another level. And I feel like you just have this great trajectory of your five startups. You stumbled, but you kept leaning into tech more and more as you advanced and grew into your leadership row to where you guys are today. And I, I just love those kind of stories because, you know, you learn from your mistakes. I always say as a CEO, making 
decisions is easy. We all make them every day. It's making the hard decisions. It's leaning into the tech pick and how you pick yourself back up, how you learn that makes you a better leader. And it sounds to me, you've really leaned into the tech company after company to build a robust platform to where you're at right now. I appreciate that. And, and the one thing, like you said earlier on about Web3 is the, the media today is negative on yeah. crypto prices and everything. But but that that's typical. It's it's that happened in their initial internet boom. It happened time and time again in the personal. Well, I don't uh, think it's tic- negative. I mean, I I understand. I mean, it's just there's there's so much. I mean, so many trains. AI, VR, AR, three. There's so much out there as tech evolves, and I think we all see all this chaos. And then within a year or so, when we usually call it pretty much spot on based on our clients and the leadership. It comes down to the final maybe handful out of hundreds of thousands that actually was able to intelligently shift, pivot, knowing that this was a huge like JPEGs, just not JPEGs, just gonna count, pick on NFTs, huge fad, billions of dollars, but it was just yeah. like this smash and grab to where the real use of NFTs is being used in a much smarter way now for sustainable. Billions of companies are no longer out there. They lost tons of money. But there's always that handful, that percentage that actually is sustainable every time a big fad or big wave of new tech comes through within a year because it's the leadership that understands the foresight to be a little bit ahead of everybody else to realize this is what it's doing right now, but we know their use for this in a year is sustainable and they trek ahead to make sure it's sustainable where everybody else falls to the wayside. I think being media, we see so many companies, oh, I'm an expert, I'm doing this all over the board, but most of them, 90% fail within a year or two. And there was a rule of thumb, I forgot what it was. Most startups, 97, so it's like you have a startup, 97% make it past two years, like out of that, like that percentage left, only 4% get to that three to five year mark off life support is such a small amount that actually are sustainable beyond what's going to be big and trending today. And I think that's where a big key is on all of this. And we know 97% or 93% of all startups fail within the first three years without strategic PR go to market strategy. I just think They're not negative. I mean, I mean, the market's the market. It's investment, it's money, like the stock market. It goes up, it goes down. But I think a lot of the negativity that you brought up isn't so much geared on companies. It's geared on we've seen so many big bubbles within a year burst and very few people actually are sustainable and think it through. And I think that small percentage where I believe you fall is the leadership of knowing. There's no there there, but you guys are strategic. You know how to pivot. You know how to be strategic. You know how to get to that point to where I'm seeing where this could actually be down the road and wading through and getting through that. That's a really small percentage. So when people get all negative, people don't understand that there is, it, there is always that percentage of leadership that will come out the other end victorious. It's just kind of seeing who those people are. And I think what's great and impressive, you're part of that niche. And we all know, regardless of the technology, where we are, it's the same model. Billions of people, it gets smaller and smaller as a year tightens up, technology falls, or it becomes a little bit, hey, this was great, but now we're going to be smarter. And that's with everything. So that negativity is kind of like, oh, here we go again. But for me, it's like, oh my God, let's see which companies actually can make this sustainable. And you are actually one of those companies. So I mean, I think it's tremendous that you've gone down that. this road, you know? Yeah, and Web3, Web as it goes forward, 
every company in the world will have some form of Web3 in their business yeah. in the next three to five years. It's not about what is the current crypto price. It's not about you know what is the JPEG that's not really valuable. Yeah. It's not about... It's really just there's so many great uses of the blockchain and uses of you know making that integrated in every industry in the world and we you know we're happy to be early and be part of that growth and we haven't even touched let me talk about web3 everybody was so hyped up on metaverse which is just another gaming platform well, it's like you know gaming became yeah. esports it's just another advance now esports and gaming become the metaverse it's all the gaming companies are doing well because they know that multiplayer and the graphics that's just another gaming opportunity to gamify it to make money yeah. but i feel like you, 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 it's just between all of this, we are hitting such new possibilities in Web three, and I think Web three goes beyond metaverse gamifying, and it oh, goes beyond so. NFTs. It's it's we are all going to be living in a Web three world, and it doesn't matter if it's utility, entertainment, blockchain, finance. We're all going to be living in a whole different. I mean, let's look at the internet. Remember when I always laugh when I run across people? Oh, my email is AOL. I'm like, you're what? You're AOL what? Like, you know, mm -hmm. Earthlink, Mindspring, we have gone so far and look at what everything we could do with, you know, on the internet and with our yep. websites and Zooms. But Web3, think how much further we're going to be technology wise, another two years, three years, is part of yep. everything we touch and do. New form of the internet. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I think I could literally have so many questions for you, but I know we just don't have this time. For everybody, if you're an artist or a festival goer, sports, where is the best URL to send everybody to? Yeah, so festivalpass.com. That's where our, our site is. That's where everything is. On any of the socials, we're at Get Festival Pass on Instagram, Twitter. If you're interested in the NFT space, you can just go to family.festivalpass.com because that's where we kind of explain the NFT. And, and uh, you know, if, if anybody's interested in live events and NFTs, it's, it will never be this cheap ever again. Can we, can we get to family.festival um, via subscriptions on festivalpass.com? I mean, can you connect and go to festivalpass.com? Then information on the NFT is on within that. It, it is, yeah. So, so if you just go to the, uh, the nav bar on festivalpass.com, you'll see a drop down that brings you to the NFT. You know, it's just sometimes easier if you went direct. Yeah. So, but for branding purposes, no matter what they get, festival goers, festival lovers, sports lovers, music, festivalpass.com. And it's actually it. a brilliant name. You got like brilliant lucky when you just did festivalpass.com. It just says exactly what it is. Yes. I have the funny story behind that. I know we don't have much time is I've, I've owned that URL for almost 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Is that, yeah. is that funny when you do something like you think, Oh God, this is so stupid or after cocktails or just in general, 10, 15 years ago. And then you realize down the road, full circle, you were like, think, aha, that brilliant aha moment 20 years ago when I never saw the future is now the biggest thing that you could have yeah, done. It's, it's when we had our agency and we, we helped launch a couple of film, film festivals and uh, and you know the, the whole vision back then was simply, hey, is, can, can we let two or three film festivals kind of come together and 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 be able to get tickets to those film festivals through one source? And then uh, you know, obviously, it's grown so much since then. Brilliant hindsight, right? We don't get to say that a lot, but in hindsight, <laughs> it was a brilliant move. It was so good having you on, Ed. For anybody who wants to follow you directly, what's the best way to find you on social? Yeah, I mean LinkedIn. If it's anything you know core business related. You know, I'm not personally that active on the other socials. I mean, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter as Ed Vincent NYC, but I, I don't really, most of that's yeah. just personal stuff. 
So basically, festivalpass.com is a place to go now. Perfect. All things entertainment. It was so good having you on this week with us, Ed. And I keep us posted. I look forward to seeing how you guys grow more over this next year. Tremendous opportunity. We're excited. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Sarah Miller with Access Entertainment. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.